You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 25 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts. Well, to start the third year of this uh, podcast, I am joined by a wonderful panel, as always. So joining me from, let me see, I'll go closest geographically. Uh, so we'll start on the opposite side of the Irish Sea. For me, we have the wonderful Gazmas back with us. Hi, Gaz. Uh, good evening. How are you? I am doing just fine. Excellent. This Excellent. whole early getting dark thing, I, I don't. Oh agree. yes, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It kind of. Um, mm. If I mean, what, if you if you want to liken it to taking pictures, it means you have to change your uh, your processes a little bit. It does rather, doesn't it? A little bit of a longer exposure. <laughs> <laughs> and joining me from the up, opposite side of a much bigger piece of water, we also have Antonio Rosario from the United States of America back with us. Hi, Antonio. Hello, Bart. How are you doing? I am doing grand. And I should, we were just sort of joking before the show. So this is the first show of year th- three of the show. Mm-hmm. And you were like, I think I've been on like the vast majority of these. So we had a look and you've been on everything but two. So thank you very much. That is very much appreciated. Well, thank you. Uh, and I was saying that's a better track record I had than I had in school. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's more the other way around with me. I, I, I'm not so much often on, uh, on here, but more often on the Mac shows. So. Yeah, no, you're, let me see, let's talk Apple 1, let's talk Apple 3. Yeah, you're LTA, LTA, LTA when I look on the panelist page and the odd P here and there. <laughs> but also, I, I appreciate talking to you whenever I can and whatever context I can. So, I want to throw in something about the, about the season change, though, since uh, you were mentioning it. Uh, go on. I like it. I mean, I don't like the light getting, uh, the getting dark early thing is really for the birds. <laughs> but I, I just love light in the winter. Yes. Winter light is so nice. I suppose it's even in midday it's still low soft light. Yeah, it's like it's not golden hour, but it's but it's low long shadows, very crisp often. So yeah. that's the that's the plus side. But there's just not enough of it. Yeah, well we crossed a sort of a milestone that I have to start I now have an extra piece of equipment to remember every day. I must remember the lights for my bicycle. Otherwise I'll get squished on the way home from work. So that's, oh, that always happens, yeah. I, I don't know, it's a milestone for me. It's when I have to start remembering them. And the opposite milestone is when I can forget about them for six months. <laughs> anyway, so the topic for this first show of year three is a suggestion of projects that people could undertake. And the reason I sort of came to this is because I don't know if, if people look at my Flickr stream, but if you have in the last six months, you may have noticed a certain lack of uh, photographs or any activity of any sort whatsoever. And in fact, I don't think I've logged into Flickr in quite some time because I've had stuff going on and then Apple Welding killed Aperture and that completely took the wind out of my sails because I am so trying to get to like Lightroom. But you know what? I, it's not working. I, I'm just not falling in love with it at all. You don't I feel like like it. You just have to no, use but it. I, I feel I feel like someone has cut my right arm off, and I'm being forced to write left-handed. Like I <laughs> cannot make the pictures look like I want. It's well, not as, as as you well know, um, 
but I'm really more, much more of a very light hobbyist photographer, and uh, I, I basically just used iPhoto and, and then went outside of iPhoto to do any further manipulation of the photos. Uh, and now, with the extensions um, application or the extensions facility that you've now got mm. in photos, that's making that much more powerful. So uh, I'm, I'm enjoying that extra functionality which they've kind of given us back. So, But I'm very much more of a hobbyist when it comes to taking pictures. So I've got a, a, a big lot library of pictures but they're not uh, they're not to the quality of uh, other people's but uh, i enjoy taking them so uh, you know well, that's that, that is that is what the show is all about is in enjoying photography so this is a long way of saying i could do with some inspiration so <laughs> give me some <laughs> um but also i think it's just a good topic to hit off anyway so what i what i the homework i gave to the panel because i've discovered this in the last few episodes if i give the panel homework to do it's easier for me to prepare a show so the, the homework i gave everyone was to choose some potential photography projects and then to plug them effectively you know sell it to the audience so that they can have a go as well inspire people so who wants to go first can can i jump in as it's this time of year go on um now this is this can be either a very short period you can find yourself either loving this particular subject and getting really really into it or you can find it um so you're talking about selling it you can find it a bit of a pain to find this and it's basically uh, fungi, taking oh. pictures of fungi. And because it's that autumn time of year, if you are, you know, um, well, you can be anywhere and find fung, you know, fungus, toadstools, etc., etc. Um, and I went through a period, I must admit, I've dropped off a little bit now. In fact, this is how long ago it was I did it. But it, basically, most of the p- images that I've got were... Um, used with my SLR rather than my DSLR. So that kind of gives you a hint as the last time I really took this up. But I've got to say, when I was thinking about this, when you when you put this out, I did enjoy the process of going out and looking and being able to try and find and you you're always on the scrounge. You've always got your eyes open then when you you're taking pictures of fungus. But it can be a bit of a short period. Um, because obviously of the time, the timing of fungus and, and toadstools, etc. But there is one thing that it will do, and it will make you get outside. That's for sure. Um, and it, you, it, you don't have to have. You know, people will be thinking, "Oh, macro photography." Well, I'd never really had much in the way of macro lenses. Um, basically, you've just got to be prepared to get on the floor, get down and dirty. Really, you know, take something to lie on the ground with, and um, you know, a low, perhaps um, a low tripod. Um, a, a smaller tripod rather than your, you know, a great big heavy uh, tall tripod. Um, and lighting can be, uh, let's say, um, a little bit awkward at times. Or you know, you, you have to be prepared to get those uh, slower shots. Um, but getting out there and taking pictures of fungus and toadstools, I just found very, very addictive. Well, it's, it's interesting you mention that, Gaz, because this time last year. I bought myself a new book. I bought myself the Collins Guide to Fungi. (laughs) 
because I have I don't know maybe it's maybe it's my OCD or something but I, if I take a picture of something natural I want to know what it is so I can write yes. on the Flickr yes. thing this is bloody blah species yes there are so many bloody different species of fungi it is really hard to get a definitive ID on some of these things it is yeah that is that is the only downside I mean there are the obvious ones you know the 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 redheads with the you know the the white speckles on the, in the some of them um you know the champagne flutes that mm. some of those are really easy to spot and identify but some of them as you say they are pretty difficult so you have to be a little bit um you, you have to put your ocd to one side to uh, to some degree with them i, I think um, i did end up at some point just putting in the flicker caption from the family blah yes <laughs> i give up on what species you are um, you, actually you mentioned keeping your eye out but a lot of them are also very much the same color as their surroundings yes Yes, yeah, that is one thing. It, it, you know, when 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 I found myself taking the best shots, it was almost when I was just relaxed and not going out looking for them. We were just out in, you know, in the woods because, and I always had it in mind that I would have my camera with me and I'd mm. be looking out for them. But sometimes, you know, it's best just to go out and enjoy the countryside. And when you come across them, that's when you can take some shots. And uh, there are some fantastic. Um, I, what I should have done this, this is where the slap on the wrist comes what I should have done was pitched, picked out some of the um, images that I've got which are obviously hard copy scan them in and, and, and put them somewhere so you could see them so I'll, that's perhaps something which uh, I'll have to do uh, within the next week and, and, and ping you uh, and ping everybody so they can see uh, some well, of the shots you can throw them into our Google Plus community that I have terribly uh, neglected the last while well, that's a good idea. That's uh, there's a little project for me to make sure I go out and dig them out and uh, scan them in and, and put them. Now they won't be to the quality of uh, uh, obviously it'll be scanned images, but uh, um, yeah, I, it is really good fun because as I say, it gets you out there. And then what you'll find yourself doing is taking pictures not just of the obvious toadstools and mushrooms, but you know the fungal growth which is like creeping across plants and across the ground. Um, and it, it is certainly a subject which you have to be careful with because you can get really engrossed in it, certainly. I was going to say, don't eat your subject or you can get really No, dead. no, 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 no. Uh, and don't get, the one thing with it as well, don't get too worried about getting a pristine uh, example because that's one thing. When I first started taking shots of toasts, etc., you were saying, "Oh, that's got a bite taken out of it." Where obviously some slug had climbed mm. up, and or it was a little bit older. Well, actually, that's almost the the charm of taking some of the pictures of having something which isn't in pristine condition. In pristine condition. So, um, yeah, yeah. I it, I it, I found the close up and the lots of bokeh in the background. You know. Um, a good way of doing it but equally sometimes you want to just step back slightly and make sure that you keep uh, the picture of the toadstool or fungus in its surroundings because that can be equally compelling yeah what i noticed when i when i was poking around with this last year is uh, the reason i got hooked on it was because i found a giganto big one that was really obvious so like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. a cool shot and then i opened my eyes and realized that there's a million and one little teeny tiny, like, you know, inch tall yep. little doodads and watching with jiggers all over the place. Yeah. Um, so I just, I'll, 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 to have some mushrooms in the in, in the show notes, I'll throw two into the Skype chat and into the show notes. So this is this is the grand total of my mushroom, the, the final output, the two to share of my mushroom shooting last autumn. 
Okay, well, well I'll, I'll definitely have to um, make sure I crack around. And that first image that I'm looking at with the, the brown uh, ones with the ivy leaf in the front, hmm. that, sort, that sort of um, uh, type of, of mushroom, sometimes you can see them in like forests. If you're lucky, you'll see fo- it's like a forest of fungi shooting through the ground. And also one of the tricks often is to make sure that you see if you can get as low to the ground as you've got in your second, the white image, where you're looking mm. up at the, um, I'm not sure what they call them now, it's almost, you call them the fins, where obviously all the, uh, gills, the spores. Yeah, the gills, yeah, where it's where the spores come out of each one. That can be magical imagery. That can be absolutely magical My imagery. My trick for both of those shots was to find a steep hill and to be downhill <laughs> yeah. of the mushroom. <laughs> Yes, or find them growing out the side of a tree, high up in the tree. So, um, but I, I just found it a good project because it's something which um, you know is ongoing. You'll always, it, not always, but you'll often come across them. And this time of year as well, that all of a sudden you'll be coming across lots and lots. Certainly when you're out out and about in the woods. Yeah, and it'll definitely, yeah, it'll definitely train your eye because you'll start to see them everywhere. You will, you will, and then and what you'll find yourself doing, and and you know, don't be put off by it. But, you know, you'll start turning over leaves and things, and just <laughs> squishing it around. Controversial in, here in, in the undergrowth. Yes, yeah, could be, could be, but you know, there you go. That's the animals could walk by as well. Yes, it's always the thing, isn't it, with nature photography? Do you touch? Um. <sighs> I've got to admit that I there were times when I moved the odd leaf. Yeah, I've just gone to prove how terrible my memory is. So they're not from last year; they're from 2012, and that book right. has been on my shelf for three years. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, dearie me! Thank you, guys. That was a really good suggestion, um, Antonio. Yes. <laughs> when you, you know, I thought you'd gone for a second. No, I I I just mute a little bit because we have a I have a loud uh, window here. So Well you New York. I like I like the New York atmosphere you bring. Yeah, sometimes it's good. You know, Gaz, when you said uh taking pictures of fungi, I thought you were talking about people like me, because I'm a fungi. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Ba-booms, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that was just that was a good opening. Um projects. I you know I don't necessarily have i'd rather sort of talk about generalized projects yeah sure uh with some ideas of specifics uh in general we don't mm-hmm. have a lot of fungi and toadstools in the uh, city unless they're sitting in a you know fruit stand vegetable stand uh, oh, I still make nice photos. well they do actually this is a this is a really good time of year to go and take shots of harvested food I, I go to we have a local farmer's market a few blocks away every sunday and i always bring my camera with me so i can go pick up my you know weekly bunch of mussels for sunday dinner and then see what they have on the harvest and and go and take pictures of all the nice vegetables and fruits yeah uh, and i i tend to do that throughout the year because there's a whole bunch of different you know harvests but usually the spring is not the best time obviously but uh the, the late summer and fall and and mid summer are really good times to go photograph the the vegetables at the farmers market, but that's not the projects I was thinking about. Although that's a decent project, I think. Uh, yeah, but we're but we're going into winter, right? So, well, but most of our listeners are. Al- yes, Alistair in the southern the hemisphere world. is going into summer, but another half of the world, yeah. But I'm in winter, so I got to think about you know, like, well, kind of think about what. 
there's more landmass up north, so most of us are going into it. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble now. This doesn't I know, I know, we're, we're in trouble. Um, well, okay, so here's a specific project. One of the things that uh, I love doing is photographing out of my window. Now, I happen to be lucky in some sense. Um, the apartment I had uh, eight years ago and the apartment I have now, I'm very high up in the city. I, my previous apartment, I had a really nice view of the city, of New York City from Brooklyn, and I was facing west, and so I had sunset time. Now I'm mm. facing east, and I'm also pretty high up. I'm on the 12th floor. My other apartment was on the 11th floor. So I have a really nice view of – actually, I have a view of uh, John F. Kennedy Airport and all you know sunrises and stuff like that. So I, I tend to photograph out my window a lot because it's there. Yeah, and I have a nice view. So I, you know, as a long-term project, I, I'm looking at my portfolio and I'm seeing that I actually do have a gallery of stuff that I photographed out my, out my current window. Actually, there's one picture that's from my old window, and I don't suppose they I, happen to be conveniently in a set on Flickr that I could link to. I think I might have a set on Flickr. Either that, or I can give you my link to my my gallery on my a gallery. I'll do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure this is the one gallery. I do have a gallery that's like where it is a project which is like photographs out of my window. Um, cool. So I'll definitely make sure you have that link. And I have seen lots of I, – I tend to shoot the weather formations and I have this little bit of a skyline. And um, you know, over time, I will always photograph what I see at my window. Even get up early – You know, it's actually easier to get up early now when the hours um, – daylight is shifting – to be able to catch sunset, I mean, sorry, sunrise for me, yeah, because I don't have to get up that early to get the sunrise now. Um, but I, it made me think about, you know, not. I'm lucky I have this view out my window, and sometimes I have really insane, you know, rainbows and thunderstorms that come through, and just the odd, you know, whatever. There's a marathon that'll be run down. Actually, there was a marathon last weekend that. Uh, I don't think I shot from my window, but I went down to the ground. But, you know, if I shot from the window, there have been thousands of people crossing the boulevard in front of me. And that's all from my window. And it reminded me that there is – and I will definitely give you this link. Um, I'll have to copy and paste it. But a Korean gentleman uh, a couple of years ago decided to photograph only what was outside of his window. And he did it for two years. And in cool. two years, he took – I think they said about – one million pictures of just wow. the view outside of his window. Um, and I think he lived in a, a suburban or country environment. And uh, you would think that he would run out of things to photograph hmm. um, over two years. And he doesn't. The, the gallery uh, for his pictures are just incredible. And what's incredible is the diversity of the shots, too. And he's obviously... Um, changing his lenses and he's shooting in different light and he i think he took something like two to four thousand pictures a day now i think that's kind Jesus. of over the top obviously because um well no sorry let me not judge that because that was his plan to do ah, i just okay. i'm thinking of the logistics behind that uh, that sounds like a full-time job it does yeah i wonder if he's got a trust fund <laughs> he's living off of um but the, the, some sort of arts council grant up front. Yeah, now I'm sending you the link to it. Uh, okay. I can't pronounce this last name. It's like Ahi or Ahai. Or, um, so, you know, as a 
as a practical okay. project, you know, we tend to miss what's sort of right in front of us. Um, now, yeah. That yeah. link you sent me goes to his homepage, but not to where am I looking for the pictures you're describing? I think his homepage is the I think his whole website is about this project. He has a nicer view out of his window than I do. Yeah. He has a nicer view than I do. Although I like my view. I also assume he has a long lens. I think he has many lenses. Yes. Um, yes, because he's photographed wildlife uh, yeah. out the window. I, I faced a similar uh, dilemma in some way when I was uh, working for the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. Uh, I did a calendar for them two years in a row, and it's a very small space um, relative to, I don't know, nature. I mean, it's a, it's a botanic garden. And the idea of having to you know, come up with a theme for this place and walk around and try to make as, as different amount of photographs as possible to fit, to fit into a calendar was really challenging. So it's kind of the same. You're, you're stuck in one spot. And you're looking at the same thing all the time. You're saying, how can I do things differently? How can I make something new from this? Um, and, you know, you were talking in the, the, the idea for the show is whether a short-term or long-term project. And I would certainly think that shooting out of your window is certainly a long-term project because, hmm. you know, not every day is worth photographing. I mean, you do want to sort of self-regulate yourself uh, yeah. because there's sometimes there's just nothing going on. But, again, that's me speaking. I mean, you could sit there. I could sit and look out my window and see something that I've never seen before every day. I just don't take the time to do it. I don't think it's practical for me to do that. But the pictures from my gallery, you'll see, is I would say long term. I just I just keep doing it. I keep photographing out my window when I see things that are interesting, and it ends up becoming a collection in and of itself. So, yeah. um, don't you know miss what's right in front of you? We have this, you know, pretty much everybody has a window, and you're like, oh, nothing's happening. You know, guaranteed, there's something happening outside your window. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm monopolizing the time here. No, 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 no. Yapping, but yeah, it's, it's I've, I've, got to, I've got to jump in there. That, that is certainly something. It's a sort of project which a lot of people have taken on. And the, what, they, what they kind of do, it's, they either take a picture. It's almost, it's almost a time-lapse picture that you're taking because that's, mm-hmm. that's initially what I, I, I thought about talking about um, a bar. But mm-hmm. that's that's kind of different because then you have to do something with the time lapse photography to kind of bring it alive. But what I have seen people doing is that sort of project where they're taking a picture of a point showing the difference that the, the seasons can create, that actions of other people can have on that view or even people themselves um you know these are long-term projects when you're you're talking about taking perhaps pictures of relations family children as they grow up you know pets that sort of thing um but that's that's you know i was thinking about that as a a project as well well it's funny because my suggestion that i was going to bring as my first suggestion was what i I, i'm i have a few of these in on in train but I need to uh, wait for nature to do its thing. Uh, but what I want to do is a collage of photographs taken from the very same spot showing typical winter weather, typical spring weather, typical summer weather, and typical autumn weather. And so the four identical seasons. view... Yeah, yeah, exactly. The four seasons as a two-by-two yeah. two collage. So I have one half done, um, which I will throw into the Skype chat. 
Actually, strangely enough, what I'm finding hard is to get is something that captures spring. So, so well, often winter that's a, kind of easy, and autumn are kind of easy. Spring is is that point where things are just beginning to turn green, but there you could still see through. Like I think of the trees. Spring yeah. is like the buds are coming up, and you get a green tint to them, but they're still, you know, you can I still f- see the branches and stuff. Yeah, which is very short because I've tried to get it on this place here that you'll people see in the show notes. And the amount of time that goes by between there are no leaves and, oh, look, it's just plain old summer, it, it happens very quickly. And if the Irish weather decides to be Irish, I miss. You do have to be <laughs> diligent then. I mean, I, when I worked at the Botanic Garden, again, I'm sorry to bring that up again, but I had to photograph in spring the magnolias. And mm. they, their window for opening up is really tight before they like open up and are beautiful and then like sort of burn to the ground. Uh, essentially. Um, so there is that, you know, paying attention, like finding out what is a good time and making time to go and photograph it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just gave you the link to the... Uh, yes, thank you. I've popped that into so the, the show. That's notes. one of the links. I, I'm trying to find my other one. But, uh, Gaz, you were talking about the long-term projects. It just reminded me that that you can really have multiple projects going on at once. Yes, yes. You know, and keeping a list of those things and seeing, okay, well, this is a great day to go and do my uh, toadstools and and fungi, and this is a great day to go and photograph out my window. And and keeping those projects going, you don't really necessarily have to stay with one shot project. That's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's probably, and you can sort of flip between them as well if you have a couple of them on the go so that you don't get, board you can oh you know today's a good day for x oh i think i'll try something else today whatever you know it's it's good to have a few a few irons in the fire at the same time yeah that's right which can which keeps you interested of course it keeps you you know if you exactly that you think it's a bit of a dull day but it's it it that could be well a good day for Getting out there and uh, seeing if you can find some fungi or, you know, or just taking sometimes those dull days are absolutely I think people always a lot of people forget that actually a a good overcast day is almost a perfect day for for light for taking pictures because you've got a very set um, uh, light that's above you rather than the harsh light that you get from uh, from from the sun. Well, certainly for macro projects, so you know, like the mushrooms. Well, the mushrooms project because it tends to be in forests. Maybe you don't want it to be too dull of a day. No, no. But most macro stuff. Um, another project I was going to mention. I may as well just sneak in here and steal two in a row. Uh, <laughs> is there are only twenty eight species of butterfly in Ireland, so I have it in my head that I can capture them all. This isn't working exactly to plan, but I have quite a few of them captured at this stage. So it is definitely an ongoing project that I'm very much aware of because you'll never see me. If a butterfly flits by, it will catch my attention from my peripheral vision like you wouldn't believe. And it'll mentally go down through the checklist. Mm, Red Admiral, check. Mm, Oh, don't have that one yet. Whatever, you know. So it's. uh, But for, for butterflies, flowers, that kind of thing. A dull day is the absolute perfect day. So if you're thinking, well, the landscape isn't going to look nice today because it's a really boring sky. It's just grey. There's nothing in it. Stick on a big zoom lens and go get yourself some macro. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I did the whole. I like shooting garden work in the overcast light, just because it's just a giant softbox and it's yeah. nice to look at. Yeah. But. 
Actually, it's, it's probably actually so toadstools, butterflies. They're sort of of a sort, really, aren't they? It's almost a taxonomist's photo project. <laughs> because, and I'm just thinking about the, you know the the stuff I do. So I, I one I have ticked off and completed is every. Um, every model of train in use in Ireland today. Now, that obviously is one that needs to be topped up every now and then as new stuff comes online. But that one I have actually checked. That one's done. Uh, butterflies, not so much. Toadstools, 20 million miles away from that ever being finished. Thousands of species. But but it is all of a sort. So maybe you really like tulips or maybe you really like, I don't know, something, you know, whatever it is, you know, that's a sort of a project of a sort of, I don't know, maybe a Pokemon project. Got to catch them all, kind of idea (laughs) yeah and i think although you've got to be a bit careful with that um because obviously sometimes do you know i once had um the the completely odd thought that i would try and take pictures um of as many points in northampton to my local area as i could i'd just take street shots because although someone would would say to me why are you doing that? I just go to Google Images and I think, yeah, but you don't know when that was taken. And it's it's not really the same. I'm taking a shot for memory. And then I soon realized that was far too big uh, a project to take. One, one of the things that helps with any of these projects is you've got to have some sort of interest in it. And it's got to float your boat because if it doesn't float your boat – the project will soon finish. So mm. you've got to enjoy and it's got to be something which, you know, uh, you know, really keeps you interested as a person um, when you're doing these projects. It can work both ways, though, because I now know a lot about butterflies and I used to know nothing about them other than they were pretty. Uh, and I now to, know what, to, what, but, what plants they feed on and what times of day they hang around and what time of, of the year they hang around and, you know, what flowers they love but, and what habitat they love. But can I say, um, uh, Bart, that was probably because originally you said you thought to yourself, well, there's only 25 species. So that feels like uh, an achievable project to get on with. Whereas if you if you set out and say, right, I'm going to take pictures of all of the fungi, you've got no chance because one, you'll probably never find them. And Mm. two, there are so many. So your original um, requirement of you know well there's only 25 so I should be able to do that it seems achievable kind of then got you into that process which helped so it's it's having an achieve now sometimes you don't know what is achievable it could be that you could get around and do all the fun you know the fungi but you know personally I think that's probably a little too, <laughs> uh, too if you had a book deal and a lifetime you might, you might have a yes. go <laughs> yes um, there is also the other way, though. You can limit things. You maybe say all wildflowers that occur along my daily walk. Yes, yes, that's and that's certainly something which you would hope could be achievable. Certainly, one of the things I was going to mention about these kind of subjects is you tend to get a little bit obsessed by them. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I, a project I was doing once. Uh, and I was I was going to mention this is another thing to do in my neighborhood there's a lot of uh, people put religious icons in front of their houses it's usually a, a a jesus or a um mary in a little alcove or i guess they call it a grotto hmm. uh, and it's usually in their front yard or they're in you know we don't all have front yards in 
could be um, at the bottom of the stairs of their apartment building, small apartment building. And I remember going around with my iPhone and I found them, I think I was using an app, Hipstamatic, and I was like to age them and stuff like that. And I started photographing them and then people were responding to them like, these are really nice. And and then I said, okay, well, I'm going to keep doing some more. And, and suddenly I became obsessed with these religious icons in front of houses, especially in Brooklyn. And I would just take the train out to someplace and wander around and see if I could find any. And then my eyes were always keen to look for these, for these things. And I, I would say I became somewhat obsessed by them. Um, and I wasn't necessarily really interested in them as a, you know, why people put them there. I mean, or what the culture was or something like that. I didn't care about them. I just liked them photographically. And it was something nice to see as a, as a full project when I laid them all out. And uh, I can't remember how many I had. And I don't have a link for that because I don't think I, I kept them as a online gallery. But to see the diversity of them and to see the, you know, some were missing. Um, you know, there would just be the grotto and the figure was not there or there was broken or something like that. It was it became this, you know, looking at all the pictures together uh, became really uh, a compelling uh, visual for me. And I just hunted those things out. And I still do. I, mean, I still keep them in my mind. I see them and I'm like, yeah, maybe I should take a picture of it and see what happens. Um, I mean, there was there's one in my neighborhood where we had a lot of snow and it was all covered up with snow except for you could see a little bit of the top of Jesus. And this person, this uh, family had a couple of plastic deer in front of their house and behind in front of the Jesus and uh, they were covered in snow, but you could still see the head and you could still see Jesus with his arms open. And I, I captioned it, uh, dear, D-E-E-R, comma, Jesus, comma, look at all that snow. Yeah. Let's play on the image. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. But it was, it, you know, when you, when you get these projects, you start to become, or I become a little bit obsessed with the subject. So I can imagine becoming upset, like getting involved in shooting butterflies or toadstools. And suddenly you're just like, oh, there's one. You know, you're walking but down the street. You become hyper aware of them. And what you yes. realize is that yes. the places you have been a hundred times before and never once noticed that there was all of this yes. fungal life, all of a sudden you're like, oh, that tree has stuff on the bark and that wall has stuff on that. They're everywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I guess it's also it's a good way to become more observant, actually. And because you're being observant, you might also notice other stuff that's not really to do with your project, but you may come out with very good photographs anyway, just because you're being more vigilant, you're more aware as you wander about. Yeah. The, um, if I can go on about projects again, mm-hmm. I, in a way I was thinking about this with these religious icons that, that not all the time the pictures themselves were so interesting. I mean, they were good. I wouldn't say they were my knockdown photographs but when you started to look at the picture together i mean the project together that in itself became something and i thought you know the f- taking pictures are like um you know bricks that are are putting together a house so the individual mm-hmm. bricks may not be that interesting but together they form the structure of the house it's like not every i've seen not every picture has to be you know a Cartier-Bresson, you know, decisive moment picture as part of a larger project, you know. So I like to think that when people go out, you know, you want to take a decent picture. The exposure is right or, it, you know, it fits the subject that you're shooting. But 
you know, it doesn't have to be the knockdown drag out shot if it's part of a bigger project. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, uh, let's see. Wow. I just lost my train of thought. I lost my train of thought. But I think you want- you're, almost, you're almost talking, I think, about a, making up a collage of pictures for the bigger project. Yes. 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 Yeah, so now I remember what I was going to say. Thank you, guys. Sorry. I wanted to. I, a person did a project um, photographing doors, different doorways. And in, in itself, a single doorway was not that interesting. I mean, there were some interesting doors and some not interesting doors. But when they printed them out, it was a, a matrix of doors, you know, like 20 door by 20 doors. So 400 doors in one giant print. And... That's one project and maybe it's one image in a sense because it's a montage of different pictures. But the whole together made the whole project uh, beautiful. The individual pictures serve the larger uh, image. So um, and I have a friend who was doing – my friend Keith Goldstein was doing a project shooting uh, automatic teller machines, ATMs. We have all these really kind of weird-looking – automatic teller machines that people put in front of bodegas and delicatessen and stuff like that. And he went around photographing these. And the bigger picture is all these different ATMs together. And and it was just an impressive project altogether. So. Cool. Yeah. Okay. um, Stefan Lesage had hoped to join us today. But uh, he wasn't quite able to make it. But he did drop me an email with a suggested topic to talk about. And the idea is that if you have an old postcard of a place that you would be regularly, maybe your hometown or something, if you can figure out exactly where it was taken, and you know you may have to play around a bit by zooming in and out to get the aspect ratio, you know, to get the um, compression and stuff, to get it all right. If you then retake that picture today and then insert the modern picture inside the old one or vice versa, so you have one of them with a bigger field of view than the other, you sort of have this strange time travel effect where you can see the past and the present. So I had this vague memory of someone having done this with World War I Belgium, uh, and I was able, while we were chatting, to find the link. Uh, so I'll pop it into the chat and the show notes so you can see what I'm doing. But basically... The city of Ypres in Belgium suffered rather badly in World War I, to put it mildly. And, I mean, it still looks like a medieval city today because the city's been beautifully restored. But it was pretty much all gone. And so the photographer here has taken larger field of view modern images and superimposed in some of the devastation into the modern scene so you see modern cars and half the modern street and then this rubble next to it it's very ghostly so you know stuff like australian troops walking through the street next to modern cars it's it's quite an interesting effect so anyway i will pop it into i've, the I've, got, to, I've got to say antonio um I, I, antonio's put in some shots that he's done and i like what he's done it's very clever ah. And that 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 is that is almost magical. I like what he's done there. Which uh, I'll let I'll let you describe it. Yeah, Bart. As as you were saying that, um, I, I had been working on a project which I haven't picked up in a while called the Ghosts of Kings. I live in Brooklyn, but it's actually called Kings County. And what I 
did was find a bunch of old pictures on uh, on Flickr, um, copyright free pictures of Brooklyn, mm. and was going to do the same thing that you're talking about. Uh, find the new space and, and photograph and do an overlap. Um, I haven't done that. But what I did put in the show notes was uh, some pictures that my, uh, my, my my father was a photographer. And yeah. I don't have many of his pictures left surviving. I don't know what happened to them. So it's a long story. But I did have a contact sheet uh, for those people who don't know what a contact sheet is, when you used to photograph 35 millimeter film, mm, yes, and you got the negatives, you needed a way to sort of preview them, and so you would make you take all the negatives and you put them on a sheet of paper and and uh, expose that paper and develop it, and then you'd have a sort of preview of all the little 35. Oh, so that's why it's frames. called a contact sheet. I was wondering about that. Well, because you put the negatives in contact with the paper when you're when you're yes, making. Yes, so it's a one to one. Okay, now it makes sense. It's a one to one relationship. So it's the. The negatives are literally put on top of the piece of paper. It's usually it was a special kind of paper, a very thin, inexpensive, low contrast paper. Yeah. You'd put it in a frame and then you would you would expose it to light and then you would develop the the paper and you would get a contact print. So I only have this one contact print of my father's. And the last eight to eight, twelve, maybe twelve frames mm-hmm. has um images of John F. Kennedy in a limousine someplace in the world. Uh, I had no idea where it was, although I suspected it was Washington, D.C. It wasn't. And through... um, Actually, this is where I got to connect with Mark Pauly uh, a bit. Mm -hmm. We were chatting on Twitter about this, and long story short is we we both did some research on Twitter live on Google um, with these pictures because we wanted to try to figure out where they were. And what ended up happening is I found out the pictures were taken in New York City and I figured out the date which was May of 1962 or roughly about May 19th through the 20th and uh, John F. Kennedy visited New York City and he went to the mayor's mansion which is called Gracie Mansion up up uh, uptown New York and um, I used Google um Google Maps to actually look at the streets and I was able to match up the pictures that he took to the street views and it just happened to be close to the 50th anniversary in in 2012 that I found these pictures and so I went on the exact day that the pictures were taken I made prints of the two shots um, that that I could actually see Kennedy in and they were sharp enough Hmm. and I held them up to the location and I photographed with my hand holding up the picture to approximately where the uh, original picture was taken. So there's one shot of Kennedy driving down – I can't remember the name of the street. But he's driving down the street in his open-air limousine. It's the same kind of limousine he was uh, eventually killed in. Yeah, I was going to say it's – you know, in, in our modern eyes, of, you know, if you see the modern president of America and his – you know, literally his right. beast. His, his tank. Yeah, it's quite a different scenario. So, yeah, it's just – JFK yeah. is just sitting in, a, in an open-top car with an American flag flapping around, and yeah. Yeah, so the it, one shot I have of him coming down the street, I, there was a car parked um, <laughs> in both shots, and I happened to match up the windshield yeah, of both looks... cars, which was just sort of um, luck in the way it worked out. Yeah, because the and line in the middle of the road matches up too, so it really does. It does. It, it does match up. I was, I was surprised by that. And then the second shot, this is him 
The first shot is him arriving to the mayor's mansion. Mm-hmm. And then the second shot is him leaving. And uh, I think that's not as interesting a picture, but it gives you a sense of scale. And people have been doing this. You, you go on Flickr and you can see everybody putting up the old pictures to new pictures. But I never did it before. And I did this after my idea of doing the the uh, project I was telling you about in Brooklyn, The Ghost mm. of Kings. But this came up first and this just happened to be – you know, I went there on May nineteenth, two 2012, which was 50 years ago, 50 years after the original shots were taken. Uh, so it was interesting for me was that standing in the same spot that my dad was in, I knew he was there. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any magical moments thinking like, you know, the spirit of my dad is doing – none of that happened. It was just interesting to be in the place yeah. – and see the context of what was going on, like what's going on. Where- what I like about that, Antonio, is uh, because I've seen the one where you've got the, the Invisible Works um, link that you've put through, Bart. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen a number of those images. What I like about the shots that you've done, Antonio, is the hand holding the picture yeah. in the place. That it, it, gives it, it gives it a more human touch and a more, do you know, I could have a go at that as well. Whereas yeah. the other one, it feels more like you've got to be able to do some work and artistry afterwards and post-work. Whereas with that one, it, there's a lot more, I've got the picture, I'm in the spot, and just a little bit of movement, alignment, snap. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and it didn't have to match up completely. I mean, no, I was using one lens, he was probably using a different one, but it's close enough. Yes, <laughs> you get yes. The, yeah, the line of the yeah, pavement the, continues, the, you know, it, it works. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was fun doing that, and uh, you know, it it meant a lot to me to 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 be able to do that. You know, sort of my for my history. Yeah. Um, but I think it added like to the overall scheme of history of you know humanity that these four or five pictures, you know, add to some greater you know good. Yeah, uh, which I think is a is a great thing to do. Yeah, yep. I have one of these that I have been meaning to get around to doing, but I haven't because I'm just lazy. But <laughs> the Irish National Archive have massive amounts of pictures on Flickr in uh, available as you know public for public use. Creative Commons, I think, is the license. And there's a bunch of them of the university I work in from 1910, which is a while ago, perhaps not that long ago. But what struck me is that buildings that I look at and think of as old. Uh, one in particular, actually, is like the main building of the university, the famous one that's on the postcards. In 1910, it was a two-story building. Today, it's a three-story building. Huh. I was like, what? How? <laughs> so they'd had these massive big sunroofs and stuff, and now they're just a whole extra floor. And now that I know that, you can actually see a line in the brickwork where they put on the extension really? and just built it up. <laughs> I would never have known that if I hadn't found the old photographs. So I want to do a similar thing like this. And I, w- I wasn't sure how to do it. But now that you give me the idea of just holding the print, uh, yeah. now, now I, th- I can see myself getting this actually done. So, cool. Yeah, and it gets you out um, there to print, too. It gets you to... Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> little printing never um, hurt anybody. I, just, I, I have just... To jump in the subject back a little bit, um, mm-hmm. I have found in my Flickr feed um, uh, some shots, three shots of fungus, which I'm going to put in and I'll add the other scan shots to them. So I'm going to put that into the 
um, Skype chat now, so you can put that into the the show notes. But Excellent. one thing, the the reason I wanted to put that in is actually on one of the shots, I've taken a picture of exactly the same fungus. Now these aren't with a DSLR; they're just with a a, a Minolta D3, I think it was. Hmm. Um, so it's it's quite some time ago. But the reason I put two shots of the saming was because my foot is in the second one, and it just <laughs> gives you some scale. Yeah, because and that is something that sometimes you need to do because sometimes wow. you can find things which are much bigger than actually the first shot. You would not have any idea of the scale, perhaps right, from the small. leaves. Yeah. It looks quite small, but then the next one, my foot is in the shot, and you can see just how how enormous uh, the image is. So scale, which kind of relates to your um, your images with the camera, you're trying to get the scaling right. So scale can often help out in in any uh project that you're doing yeah i thought they were just ordinary fungi until you mentioned the second shot they're huge <laughs> yes yes like lily yeah, nothing ordinary about it it's the attack of the mushroom people yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was a really bad movie from the 50s yeah. <laughs> yeah so what i'll try and do is add the the other scanned images to that little group oh, excellent then i don't have to change the link excellent yeah perfect Okay. Um, anyone have any final thoughts to throw in before we wrap up? Well, what I what I have also done, um, Bart, is I I I did a quick search as well. Um, mm-hmm. So what I'll do is I'll send you some links for actual projects, so people don't have to take away our thoughts. But there's I've got a link to there's one which is from. Uh, it's called Improved Photography, and it's got something like 21 projects, and it describes the images and how you can... It gives you a little bit of an idea of how to take them as well. Uh, and there's also one from Digital Camera, which has got, I think, 52 uh, projects. So, you know, it's almost like one a week. Now, some of these are a little bit, perhaps, too difficult to have a go at, but some are, you know, fairly standard household images and things which you can have a go at. So I'll I'll ping those links over to you as well if uh, you know if we haven't got uh, people's uh, thought juices working enough yet excellent thank you guys i will stick those into the show notes which will be at let's-talk.ie i've got a few more little bits if okay I may. a bit away yeah well first uh think about whether to shoot it in black and white or color it's really hard to mix a project um a consistent project and do both uh, mm. It would have to be a real – it's just something to think about. You know, choose mm. choose the one direction you're going to go and see what happens with it. If, you, if you're going to – again, it depends on what the project is. But uh, I think it's a, to do consistent – of course, I'm thinking of, you know, if I want to show these or create a book or something like that uh, in the end. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to do is to uh, try to keep it one or the other. Yeah. But that's not a, that's not a rule. It's just – you know, Actually, you've just reminded me. I'm, I'm convinced we talked about. If we talked about this in one of the recent episodes, where we picked our favorite photographer. But I remember I showcased a guy who had photographs of of abandoned Irish railway infrastructure, and he chose a style which he kept up over the many years he shot the mm-hmm. project. And because mm-hmm. they were all in the same style, it, it helped the whole project have a feel. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's a consistency is helpful yes. for this. Um. I was going to also say, I have a little list here, so I'll just go through the bullet mm-hmm. list. Uh, I was like, don't be shy of taking on, um, your, doing your take on someone else's project. That doesn't mean copy their yeah. photographs. Be inspired. 
yeah, be inspired. But you know, you know, if you're stuck with something, look at what someone else did and say, okay, I can do that in my neighborhood. You know, um, yeah. Don't don't worry about the fact that someone else did it. Um, let's see, what was one more thing? Uh, oh, and another, you know, practical thing. This happened to me in school was to, uh, and I haven't done this in a while, but do um, this is a practical project. Uh, do a take on word or color and what it what it means to you. Someone once said, do a project that what the color red means to you. And that doesn't necessarily mean take pictures of red things, although it could mean. <laughs> yeah. But what does red mean or what does speed mean or what does rough mean? You know, find a word or a phrase and do your interpretation of that. That can lead to some really, really interesting pictures. And, you know, loosely interpreting what you're working on. So red can mean whatever you think red means. And if you want to do just shots of red things, that's great. But I, I'm trying to get people's brains to open up and, and, and think a little well, bit. Let me, let me give you outside. a thought process there. Yeah, my, my immediate thought process is sending off. So you've got, you've got, you could have an image because actually I'm a rugby referee and I sent somebody off on Sunday. Um, and you've got a small red card which is being shown in the background. But actually, I can imagine the image is of the person being sent off with his mm -hmm. head bowed down, walking away. So, you know, that's the sort of thing that you could come up with, with just one word. But it means yeah. so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. It's just to get those mind juices flowing a little yeah. bit, too, because we get stuck in this rut of like I got to photograph something and I don't know what to do and you got to challenge yourself a little bit and uh, get out there and you know we're, as in the northern hemisphere as we go into these you know shorter days we tend to get a little crazy because we're locked up inside oh you know and you can do a lot of this stuff inside too yes doesn't, yeah. you don't have to go outside to do stuff I mean I'm looking at my apartment like geez what would I photograph here <laughs> You know, I'm like, I live here every day. I don't know what, but there's the challenge. That's the challenge. You know, yeah. you don't have to jump on an airplane and go to, you know, Australia to be able to take, you know, new pictures. It, the trick is to see what's around you and what to do. And, and look at things from a completely different angle. Just get up real close or get down. It's like when you're taking pictures, and I think, I think I've heard this on uh, this show as well, when you're taking pictures of children, get down at their level. Mm -hmm. So get down, get down to the carpet and look up. It, it's, it's all about – it's that perspective thing again as well, which, you know, the perspective with, uh, with my foot next to that, that fungi, you know, just shows you how enormous it, it actually was. So without mm -hmm. that perspective. So, yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Yeah. I think that's it on my list. Excellent. Okay. Uh, well, thank you guys for uh, your time today. And also thank you, Stefan, for your very good suggestion, even though you couldn't make it in person. So this is show number 25. So the first one of year three. Um, I, so I guess it's good. Well, no, fuck it. If we get to the begging bit. So, um, you know, this podcast is done for fun, but it's not free for me to do. So the only reason we've made it to two years and counting is because of the support of the listeners. So... Thank you very much to everyone who has supported the show. And, you know, support for the show comes in all sorts of forms. So everyone who's ever been on a panel, you guys support the show immensely by giving of your time and your energy. So, you know, the two of you here today, thank you. But also to everyone who has been a panelist on any of the shows. I mean, I, I thank you all very much because panel shows without a panel are a bit boring. And I don't honestly think anyone would subscribe to hear Bart's rantings. I don't think that would really work very well. Um, but there's also stuff like simply reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. 
Uh, and then there's, of course, the more practical stuff where we have our patrons on Patreon definitely are like the heroes of this podcast because the way it works is you go onto Patreon and you pledge X small amount of money per episode I actually get out. But it means that I can plan ahead because I will have bills coming at the end of the month and I will have Patreon money coming at the end of the month. And as long as the two approximately equal each other, all is well in the world. And, you know, so you guys are great for making that possible. So thank you very much. And then there's also the plain old PayPal button. And that's also helpful because there are often sporadic expenses other than the monthly bills where, you know, your microphone breaks or you need a new piece of software, all that kind of stuff and those bits and bobs and the PayPal donations are supremely helpful for that kind of stuff. So thank you very much to absolutely everyone who has ever supported the show and I really appreciate it. Uh, I couldn't do it without that support. So you'll find detailed show notes at lets-talk.ie where you will also find the PayPal button and the Patreon button. But as of a few weeks ago, you'll find a third button, which is merchandise. It's basically, there are some Let's Talk mugs and t-shirts and that kind of thing. So that's another way you can help out. And I kind of like that because it means that you get a cool coffee mug and you get to wander around advertising for the podcast. So it's sort of like a win-win. Um, anyway, so panelists. And, and that in itself could create a project. Uh, oh, you can you know, photograph like, my merchandise. Yes, yeah. <laughs> your merchandise in different places. Yeah, that's true. Actually, my my uh, I, I I made test purchases to make sure that the quality of the printing and stuff was acceptable. So I've been drinking out of a Let's Talk Photography um, coffee mug. So they're insulated big coffee mugs, and they're really really good. The stainless steel ones. Where in the world's the LTA mug? It is at a Zazzle, so there's a button. You click on, yeah, actually, that could be a very interesting project, couldn't it? You sort of wander around where my travel coffee mug goes. Hmm, interesting. Okay, um, I gave out the link, didn't I? Let's slash talk that I So I think I have to now thank the panellists and ask you guys to say where you can be found on the internets. So let's go in reverse order. So, Antonio, what would you like to plug? I would like to plug me on Twitter at AM Rosario, and that's my Flickr and Vimeo, and you just amrosario.com is my website. But I do spend a lot of time with my partner Tom at switchtomanual.com and uh, our Street Shots podcast and all the stuff that we do over there. And Tom's been on hiatus for a little while as he moved cross country. So uh, actually, we're recording our first podcasts. To later tonight, um, and we've just passed our one-year anniversary. Hey, so, cool! Congratulations! Street, thank you, Street Shots Podcast at switchdemanual dot com. Excellent, and Mr. Maz. Um, well, you can find me on Flickr as Gazmaz, although it's gapped. It's Gazmaz, but you should be able to find me on Flickr under that. I'm on Twitter as Gazmaz. There's also um, another one which I'll, I'll plug very briefly, which is MalpusTowers.com, which is actually the reason I'm pointing you there is um, one, and it's kind of. I, I thought I was going to talk about this project, actually. We're doing a walk, which is around the southwest coastal path, which is 630 miles long, and I'm obviously doing and taking pictures mm. and you can find uh for the last four years that we've been doing that walk um pictures of each year's section and i've put a little description of where it was and uh the days etc and there's also a walk blog that goes with it so there you go there's an ending with a bit more of a project for you cool so how, how many miles are you in a year 600 uh we're at 
I think we've just passed the 300 mark, so we're not cool. quite halfway, uh, and we've now rounded um, Land's End. So we're heading back in towards uh, Southampton now and all the rest of the towns on the south coast. Oh, cool. That's a lovely bit of the country, actually. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Okay, thank you, guys. Uh, I've been your host, Bart Bouchard. You can find me at bart.be.ie. And until next time, happy snapping. Listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Ever think about becoming a podcaster? Thinking, wow, you know, that's probably way too hard. Well, we have a solution. The Stoplight Network is looking for brand new shows to join the network. Won't cost you a dime. In fact, you might actually make some money off of it. So if you've always wanted to podcast and it seemed way too daunting, drop me a line. My name is Tim Robertson. I am the host of TechFan. I started the MyMac Podcasting at the dawn of podcasting. And I can help you get your podcast up and running. Simply send an email to Tim, that's T-I-M, at MyMac, M-Y-M-A-C, dot com. Tim at MyMac.com. Let's get your show ready for primetime. time.